Hello there once again, and thank you for watching VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. We're on episode 118. You're either watching us on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Spotify. And if you can say some nice words about us, great. And if you say bad words, okay, we're not bothered. You know me, Steve Lillish. Um, you know the man in the top there in his blue T-shirt, John Evans. Uh, he's local to me, just three or four miles to me, I think. And a uh, special guest tonight, uh, one of the great voices of British boxing. Uh, Federer, I suppose, he's 24-7 boxing, always working. Always, it might be hear his voice on Sky. You might hear it on an internet channel. He might even pop up at a Peacock show because he loves boxing that much. It's Andy <laughs> Clark. How are you, Andy? Yeah, good. Thanks, fellas. I missed the Peacock show last Saturday. Actually, I was, I wasn't, um, I wasn't around. But, but yeah, yeah, it's the down previous, the road from me, Canning Town. The previous one you was at because I was in a car going to a show in Wakefield with Steve Wood, and uh, we were watching, we were watching that show from the Peacock, the Boy Jones fight. Yeah, that's right. It was a good, it was a good card. That I remember finding out about like Martin's plans for it a while ago, and and I said to him, "Listen, like I um, I live down the road. Um, I like the idea of this. So if I'm around, you know, you want me to help? Like, if you want me to do anything, then just just let me know." And he said, "Oh yeah, if you could like jump on this. Son Lewis does it with uh, the commentary with yeah, Denzel. Will, um, yeah. So I just nipped in for a couple of fights. They're good lads." Um, and he's just set it up really well. You know what Martin's like. He's 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 a very kind of precise, organized yeah. bloke. So you know that if he's doing something, everything will be done right. And and standing room only. And it is standing room it's only. It's brilliant, isn't it? It looks it's brilliant. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, I think I've got another one in June. Um, I'll definitely make it down there if I can. Yeah, and if anyone who's in the London area when their this show is in June, this is worth going to because I've only seen it from the one camera angle, you see. But it looks like you're standing up on terracing at a football match, looking into a ring, doesn't it? That's what it looked yeah. like for, from. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So the ring's a little bit raised, and they've got a few seats around that. Um, so for kind of supporters who need a seat, basically, and the officials, and then just kind of below that, um, you've got room for probably about 200, 250 people. I think it's been pretty well supported. Twenty-five quid a ticket. Um, you know the gym's been out of action for a while, but it's still, it's still there, and the space is still there for it. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good. Have you been to the new Peacock? The new Peacocking Epping is just oh, like I haven't yet. I've heard some, of oh, it's yeah, some Martin, setup. Martin and Tony have asked me up there, and I haven't, I haven't got there. Yet. And I think Eddie Muscat the other week asked me if I wanted to go up there at all if I was in London. But it's certainly worth going to. And if you're on your thirty-two red gigs, John Evans, certainly worth a. A look, yeah, I must get down there soon. Andy, you know, you just send the peacock there, that's as small as it gets. You've been some big ones. I'm trying to remember last time we had you on, it must be a few months. What event have you enjoyed the most? Is there an event that it might not be, it may be a big one, it may be a little one. It's the one that really sticks in your mind from the last few months. I mean, I, I did really enjoy uh, Eubank Smith. At the Manchester yeah. Arena in January, yeah. I thought, you know, it was packed. It was a really good atmosphere. Um, like, Liam's ring walk was great. Um, so I really enjoyed that. You know, it's funny, isn't it? Because there's a lot of boxing on TV at the minute. And I think kind of, it's not that there aren't good shows. There are some really good shows. But the really kind of big ones don't seem to be quite as frequent as they used to be. I, I don't know whether that's just in my head. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum, I went 
a few, there's probably a couple of months ago now, actually, I went to the London fight, London schoolboy finals um, in a gym in, you know, in Ledger Centre in Felton. And it was rammed. Like it was, you, walk, you walked into the gym, um, the main, you know, gymnasium, and it was just heaving. You know, so, you know, amateur boxing can be well supported, but I went to the London senior finals a few weeks before that because it was in Ilford, which is really near where I live. And it wasn't that well supported. It's all word of mouth. We know what it's like. Nothing's ever really advertised. But the schoolboys was, it was unbelievable. You know, yeah. it was just, it was so well supported. You know, there's loads of traveller boys who box in the schoolboys because they've all started when they're five or six. So they just dominate it. And so you know, they can tend to get caught up when, when the other lads who haven't started quite so young kind of, you know, bridge that gap a bit. But yeah, I mean, it was it was packed. And I was just looking around and just thinking, this is really what it's all about. You know, we love we love the big nights and all the rest of it, but all these young fighters just doing it for the love of it, desperate to win. You can see how much it meant to win. You can see what it meant to lose. But if they got a tight decision, they all took it really well and took it a lot better than some of the parents did. Um and and yeah, you kind of you just think this is this is this is what boxing's really about. I was watching um, the schoolboy finals yesterday because the finest yeah, up here in Manchester had someone in the finals, yeah. so I was watching it and it was loud. Yeah, the, yeah, you know it's, it is. Yeah, it was in Guildford, wasn't it? I, I almost yeah. went yesterday, but I couldn't in the end. Um, yeah, at, at that level, it's just it's, it's 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 brilliant because they're all dreaming of being world champions, of course. But they these. And it's the same in the juniors and the youths and, and the seniors. But, you know, they're just purely doing it for the love of it. And, and like, like any any pro, like we all know, don't we, when with pros, they really come alive when you talk to them about their amateur days because none of it was clouded by business or bullshit or, or it was just about just doing something that you absolutely loved. And you're on a team most of the time, so kind of with your pals. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. All right then. Well, thanks for that, Andy. Um, right, it's something I don't think you you are you are going to speak on round one here this week, Andy. It's something I don't think you enjoy is a uh, pro fighters being linked with influencer boxers. So, John, I dare say the clock's going. Fire away. Going already, see Yeah. So, I, I keep. This is kind of aimed at um, you know, not not exclusively at Johnny Nelson, my Sky pal, but he, he he says this every now and again, and other people say it too, which is that. Pro fighters, you know, should learn from influencer boxers. And I just don't really, in terms of building a profile and stuff like that, and I just don't really agree. I mean, I, I do agree that maybe it's good to have a, a, a name in your mouth to say of who you want to fight when you get to the end of a fight and you've won and you're sitting at ringside, fine. But this idea that it's realistic in any way for a pro fighter to try and build a profile in the same way as an influencer it's just, it just, it's not realistic. It's not realistic at all. You know, these are athletes who've got to train and live the life yeah. 24, 24, seven. They haven't got time for all of that. Um, the, the influencer fighters, they built these massive followings first and then they started boxing and they're part-time boxers at best. So to kind of expect that, it, it's, it, it's kind of insulting to both sets actually, because you know, it sort of suggests that pro boxing is not really that demanding and you've got loads of free time on your hands where you can just build a big profile. And it's kind of insulting to the influencers too because it suggests that building a profile in the way they've done it is pretty straightforward and you can you can do that in your free time. You know, these two spaces are just totally, totally different. And 
You know, if if I keep talk, if I hear one more time about all these new eyeballs it brings to the sport, I'm just going to scream because it, there's just no evidence for that at all, is there? None, zero. Yeah. No, you're dead right, Andy. You know, um, how many of those? God knows how many thousand people watching those two fat fellas fighting slow motion on Saturday night are going to be at your call watching a Southern Area title fight. They're not, are they? They're not. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, no. Definitely not. No, but it just doesn't cross over whatsoever. I no. remember a, a guy up here in Manchester, he tried putting on an evening of entertainment over at Bowlers, which is out of town, 20 minutes out of town. Pretty, I think it's a pretty poor venue. And he was going to put on four fights and have dancing afterwards and drinks and bring a new crowd. And I remember saying to him, look, you might bring a, a group of young 20-something women to watch, but they've still got to sit through six rounds of Chris Healy at Cruiserweight. They won't come back. It, you know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't translate. It's two different I think, markets, I think. I if you saw I, I, Chris Healy at Cruiserweight, that must have been some time ago. It was. It was, it was in the great days of the old Dave Caldwell shows, which were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I might have worked on one of them. You know, um, I, I don't I don't want to name the promoter. Yeah, I know it, I, I've got it. Yeah, it, it'd be mean, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I did. With I ended up commentating with Paulie Malinanti. It was yeah. it was <laughs> it was a pretty uh, you know a, a pretty bizarre stuff all around. Yeah, right. Uh, I think we overrun there, John. Have we? Hi, right, bang on, time. bang on. Right, round two, ref in hell. Look, I mean, it's just a fright forward. We all saw the Roly Barossa stoppage the other night. Absolutely mad. It made the frock groves stoppage look like the Mercer Morrison decapitation. It, anyway, <laughs> it's just how do you think refs cut? And I, I don't want to dig out refs badly here because a lot of them do a great job. And, you know, I got my respect. But it's like in any sport how refs can be made accountable. Now, I think it would make their, their PR and the sports PR a lot better if. They did an interview afterwards. I don't mean these fucking idiots with fans with cameras who would ask them where they got their dicky boat from and where they get their white collared shirt from. But someone, maybe Sky, BT, or a little group huddle, explaining, discussing fights and how they come to these decisions and stoppages because they've got to be made accountable. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, when you've been doing like Tony Weeks 30 years, that's a long time. You must have slowed at what you can do in your career. There's no way I can operate in boxing like I did 20 years ago. You know, um, you know, with the, what I remember and what I know, and that's just what it is with with age. And I just wondered how you think they could be made accountable and their image can be better. I certainly think they should be made to speak after fights. You know, even if it's just on TV. Yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. And. And, and I think as well, from speaking to some officials, they'd actually quite welcome that because yes. sometimes they want to speak and they don't get the opportunity. They'll hear us say stuff and just say, well, that's not really right. You kind of assumed that I've done it for this reason that, and that wasn't it. So I think a lot of the time they'd actually be happy just to stand up there and say, listen, I stopped that fight because I saw this. You didn't see what I saw. All right, it might have been a bit early, but that's why I did it. Because he must have seen something, Tony yeah. Weeks. I don't just know what it was, but, yeah. but, he, but but just tell us. Yeah. Tony Weeks, he was the man in charge of Corrales Castillo. Yeah, I know, yeah. And, yeah. and Fury, yeah. Um, Fury, Otto Walling with a horrendous yeah. cut. So like you say, maybe there was a look in Barroso's eyes that, that he just caught that split second, but Barroso threw the heaviest punch of the exchange, didn't he, with that big right? I, I just can't see it. The thing about the referees giving interviews... 
Can you think of another sport where the referees do give an interview? And this is what I'm saying. It generally, it's a part. So, I meant to say I was thinking about this today, John, and, and I, I meant to point out it's a problem for sport as a as a whole that referees aren't allowed. There was a, there's always the football referees. And I remember about five years ago, there was a big controversy in basketball over them not being able to speak. But isn't just yeah. the interviews. I mean, you know, I mean, should there be a retirement age? I mean, I know there is in this country. And like people like Vic Draculic didn't retire. He retired not long ago. And he was nearer 70 than 65. I just think you slow up as you get older. And that's, you know, I'm getting older. You know, I forget. Oh, there you go. I've got to shut up now. John's getting angry with me. <laughs> Go on, someone who don't make you angry. Who doesn't make you angry, John? Or has he in the past? I've forgotten my topic, Steve. Ryan Garner. Oh, the piranha. <laughs> At last. Yeah. You know, there's some prospects, isn't there, who they blow away a, a journeyman in a four-rounder or a six-rounder and everyone raves about them, then they, they disappear off. But Ryan, when he first burst on the scene when he was 18, he had that something special, you know, he stood out from the crowd. He turned over so young, he was so good. And then you start hearing and speaking to people who sparred him, like Josh Warrington, Carl Frampton, Mick Conlon, and they rave about him. And the stories you hear from the gyms, Ryan's a surefire nailed on superstar. Now, Ryan's let himself down. He'll be the first person to admit that. I, did, I remember doing a story in Boxing News. I think it was the second time he fainted on the scales. And the actual magazine got took into the board hearing and read as evidence for them all to get bollock for it. But you just cannot help but like Ryan. He's such a a likeable character, a real Jack the Lad. It's very impossible to fall out with him, no matter how many times he lets you down. And for him to come back on Saturday and fight like that, I was over the moon for him. I know how hard we've worked. He's, he's got a new missus. He's got a kid. He wants a mortgage. He's settled down. And I genuinely think Ryan Garner might be the brightest hope we've got in the country. I, I seriously do. I think he's got the, the lot. And if he sorted his mind out, it could be something really special. What weight is he going to go at, John? Is he going to go super light? Feather. So if he's a super feather now, they should be looking at Mikey Gomez straight away next if they can get the fight. That's yeah. easier said than done. Then after that, Archie Sharp, Kakachi, Liam Dillon, Dilma Garney. You know, let's just go Reece, with it. Reese Mould. Reese Mould. Well, he's, he's lightweight, but he'd be... Lightweight, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no, re- there's no reason to mess about, is there? I, I think no. I, I did one of his early fights. It might even have been his debut in about 2016, 17. And I remember going up to the the dressing room, the upstairs ones at York Hall, to have a quick chat with him. So I didn't know loads about him, and he was good that night. And then, yeah, I, I was actually talking to Frank Hopkins about him not that long ago. Um, yeah, yeah he's. A, I love talking to Frank, and uh, it was when he'd come back about two and a half days after his retirement. Um, you know, his Frank, Frank's retirement didn't last long, did it? Yeah. Um, and we're just chatting about Ryan Garner and he was just saying, you know, that he's still, he's still got loads to offer. And and and, and you'd, you'd have to say that he's right. And oh. this, this is it now, though. This has to be it now. But hopefully he'll deliver because yeah. he, he definitely, definitely does have a lot of ability. Oh, for style. He's got a crowd-pleasing style. He's got the greatest pound-for-pound nickname in the country. He's an endearing character. I, I just think it's there for Ryan now. He's in a, a weight class where he can make quick moves as well. And and we, we're going to see. Andy, round four. Uh, pretty random or topical or whatever. Well, random. Live music acts. You're not happy with them. No, live music acts should be banned from ring walks. It's as, it's as simple as that. 
there's no need for them. Um, they, they're they always far too loud. Um, and, and the reason I don't really like them is because they just distract from the fighter. The ring walk should be about the fighter. It's not about the live, the, the live music acts. We actually had a couple in Birmingham on the recent Sky show. I thought actually did a good job. You know, they didn't make it all about them. I thought they did a good job of it, but inevitably it does become at least slightly about them and it shouldn't be. So you don't need a live act. Ring walks are really simple, but they're brilliant. A big fight ring walk. There's nothing else like it in all the sport. All you want to see is a fighter walk from the dressing room that, you know, that lonely green mile as Frotch used to call it from the dressing room to the ramp out of the shadows into the light, you know, out of the silence into the thunder and then down the ramp they go. And you don't need anyone else there distracting any attention. You know, this is their thing. It's their moment. And, and it's them we want to see. Um, and that goes, that goes as well for people doing my job, you know, just stay out of the way, a big ring walk. You know, you don't need me or anyone else talking over that. The images and the sound do the job for you. Throw in a little bit at the end, maybe if you want, but you don't need to be telling everybody their record and their favorite color as, as they're walking into the ring. It's just not, you know, it's just not necessary, but yeah, Leave those ring walks alone as much as you can and certainly no no live acts. I don't know about you two, but I've just never seen one where I've thought, oh yeah, I, this is, you know, this I, is really I, this is really improving this. I love live music. Anyone who's live, any genre is good luck to them. But what what I don't want to see is them walking down with a boxer. One of them great shows in Germany we showed in the Box Nation days where you know that bands would be playing and it wouldn't take away from the ring walk, it would add. We had the Cockney Rejects, the greatest British rock and roll band of all time with Kevin Mitchell just up in the stands playing when he when he fought Michael Katsidis at Upton Park. That to me, I love all that. It's when I see these guys, these rappers and all that, you know, who, who are popular, walking along with a fighter, that's when it distracts. I think yeah, when no, we've that, had that... these guys on the stage, it's been brilliant. Now that that's actually that that's what I meant. I wasn't I wasn't specific enough. You're right. You know, if you've got a band inside the venue just essentially providing the backing music, fine. It's just people walking into the ring, live acts walking into the ring with the fighter. That, I mean, that's how about what, the that's where, what I don't want. The one where Adam Wazima's on stage with the girl singing the haunting ballad and he was just walking around for ages waiting for it to finish. That was the it worst. Went, it went on for a long time, <laughs> it that, didn't it? I remember I was there for the rehearsal in the afternoon and I was thinking, God, this is long. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I thought, actually, I thought if I see Ryland Charlton or his team around this afternoon, I'm just going to tell them you know, that it's long because they're probably not going to be expecting to be waiting for quite, quite such a long time. Um, um, round five. Um, great, great fight this weekend. Chantel Cameron putting on all her light, all super lightweight belts against Katie Taylor. And I don't think, just speaking to a lot of people in boxing about that, I don't, I've ever known a fight where so many people fear someone's going to get robbed. A lot, a lot of people have just said to me, they just fear that Chantel is going to get robbed in this fight because Katie will get an early lead and although she'll peg it back, it'll be close. You know, she just won't get the decision. Um, I fancy, and I have done since the off, I fancy Chantel massively in this fight. I can get why Taylor might win earlier around. She's quicker. But I, I'm so big on Chantel for this fight. I just see what, you two guys want I'll start with well not one thing I'll start with you Andy yeah I, I, I'm the same you know when when, when a fight gets made I, I've kind yeah. of learned over time to listen mostly to my first instinct it's not always right obviously yeah. but 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 usually when I ignore it it tends to be right 
Um, and my first thought was, wow, this is this is a big gamble by Taylor. I love the fact that she's doing it. There's a massive prize on offer, so I can understand why she's doing it. But I just remember watching a fight against Linda Dartu, the only other one she's had at super lightweight. And Linda Dartu's not a big super lightweight. She's boxing at lightweight now. And I remember watching that, and my takeaway from that was, all right, that'll tell Team Taylor, we don't need to go back up there. Let's stay at lightweight and people can come to us. And that and that's what she's done. Um, and Cameron was a really good amateur and she's good enough to make the size difference count. And it's just a question of whether she can respond to the occasion and do it under the under the pressure that she's going to be under. Because let's face it, like Taylor in Dublin, that that's that that's Canelo in Mexico. You know, it's it's one of the toughest jobs in in world boxing. And, and if she can, if she can, if she can deliver the performance, like I said, she's good enough to make the size count. Yeah, yeah. That... Talent-wise, I think I think Cameron can do it. I think she punches hard. I've never seen her yeah. hurt. And I don't think she'll get outboxed clearly. But she's always going to be in the fight. She's always going to be landing. And I think that'll take its toll on Taylor these days. I think Taylor gets hit. She's made out to be this master boxer. But no, she's been getting it done on grit and determination recently, hasn't she? And Cameron might just hit a bit hard. I think Cameron's biggest test is how she holds it together this week. Yeah, I think, I this, think is, she... this is her biggest thing. There's going to be a lot of questions fired at her about certain topics. She's already built this up into a big thing by things she's said and done. And I, I think it's the way she handles herself over the next four or five days dictates how the fight goes. That's my big worry now because ability, I've fancied Cameron to win this fight for years, but I'm umming um and ahhing a bit about how she'll handle all the attention. Fine. Final round, John, and... um. Obviously, Lomachenko honey this week is, is something we can hang your hanging this topic on. Washed up wins, I've called this subject. Yeah, we won't, we won't call Loma washed up just yet, will we? But he's been written off completely, isn't he? In in this fight, he's, it's going to be seen as a big shock if he wins. Just off topic, this is Haney's biggest test by a mile. Haney's been built into this world beater, having beat George Cambosas twice. He's stepping up many levels here. But I was thinking, what what's your favourite performance or victory by a fighter who's been written off or seen as way past the best? And I, I've got two fights on my YouTube that I watch more yeah. than any. Um, Duran against Davy Moore when he was written off and he came back and smashed up Davy Moore. But Duran against Iran Barkley. I've got that. Mine. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great it's a phenomenal fight, an incredible performance by my greatest fighter, and that's my favourite, Duran against Barkley. What's yours? Oh, mate, Duran against Barkley. He just yeah. knocked out Thomas Hearns. Um, Roberto Duran had been treading water since he was he was sparked by Hearns, I think. And I think he might have lost to Robbie Sims while he was treading that water. And then yeah. I think the fight before he fought Barkley in 89 or 90, he beat Ricky Stackhouse over 10 rounds, who was the perennial club fighter everyone boxed in the 80s. And of course, you know what? You just go back and let's be a bore. The Rumble in the Jungle, you still got, because Ali, Ali was considered past his best then. Um, you know, he'd lost to he'd, he'd lost to Frazier and Norton. Foreman had demolished them. So there's that. But John, that's my favourite, Barkley. Against yeah. Duran, 1989, I think it was. There you go. Yeah, I mean that 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 yeah that that takes a hell of a lot of beating on that score. I I just kind Amazing, of this is a this is a, a sort of like a, a, a domestic level fight, and and the reason it always sticks cool. in my mind is because it was the first one I did, the first main event I did for Sky, 
Um, was Derry Matthews beating Anthony Crawler. Oh, yeah. Um, because at that point, Derry was kind of, he was totally written off in that fight and he'd lost to Emiliano Morsilli, I think, and things weren't looking great. Yeah, Italian, I think yeah. if he'd lost, that might have been it. Um, but he won um, and, and just really kicked on from there and had a kind of sort of Indian summer towards the end. So, I'll, I mean, I always remember that fight because because it was an important one for me, but I just, um, Oldham Leisure Centre, yeah. April 2012, it would have been. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, yeah. I mean, those, I, I love, you, those, I, love those two I, guys. Andy, I was, I was there that What a phenomenal atmosphere that was in Oldham Sports Centre that it night. It was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really good. Really good. Really good. Yeah, it's one that really, when people say, what's your favourite night at boxing? I always say that's that's one of mine, Crawler Derry at uh, Oldham really? Sports Centre. Yeah, it, controversial stoppage. Controversial oh, yeah. stoppage. Some felt John Keane, yeah. wasn't it? I think it was John Keane. Yeah, it it's mad. It's mad. Just we're going off topic briefly here. Well, we are. When you say your favourite nights of boxing, there's some real random ones. One of my favourite nights was around 1997, 1998. Your call, Crawford Ashley against Monty Wright at your call, and that place that night. Everyone talks about Tapia being the most packed they've seen it. I still think it was more, more packed that night, and it was a bear pit that night. Popular traveller Monty Wright against Crawford Ashley traveling. No, was it? Yeah, and he'd done him in a couple of rounds. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be some that just stick in your mind, isn't it, for no particular reason? But it just picks up as the night goes, and it yeah, one fight leads into another, into another. There's usually good people around, a good atmosphere, and it's the ones you least expect which can turn into real good ones. Anyway, fellas, before we go, quick prediction for Saturday night, Haney and Lomachenko. I'm going, I'm going Haney. Um I, I kind of I might have sort of half lost my mind earlier on when I was I was with Rob Tebbett on, on the Boxing News pod and I went for a Haney stoppage. I, I, I think Haney, I do think Haney's gonna beat him. I totally agree that Lomachenko's been written off too too quick. I just think there are quite a lot of miles on the clock, and Haney looks like a man in. You know, on an absolute mission here. He he feels like this can be just a massive, almost breakout win, which sounds a bit mad given that he's undisputed. But, but, but I fancy Haney. I've always been, I love Loma, but I've always been a believer with Haney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh. I'm the same. It, I'd still fancy Lomachenko against almost any other super featherweight, but lightweight. I I just think don't think he's quite big enough and a, a little few too many miles to beat these these guys at lightweight now. So I I'll pick Haney probably by. Like, a, I don't know, 16, 12, 17, 11 type score. Yeah. I mean, I always said size was going to be the biggest factor as lot for, for Lomachenko losing fights as he moved up. And there's also a bit of freshness there. A real cagey affair. Uh, maybe nothing in it after seven, eight rounds. But I can see Devin Haley pulling away and winning comfortable at the end. I've something like maybe 116, 112 if we're getting a little bit. We've got to predict scorecards here, John. As long as you don't be one of these people who predicts a split decision, we're, we're all right. I'm not predicting any split decision. Fellas, thank you very much for tonight. Andy, thanks for affording us some time after. I don't know what work you've been doing today. It seems like you've been recording podcasts all day, but thanks for giving us some time tonight. And we'll, we'll hopefully have you on again in a few months' time. And I, I'm, I'm, you must be looking forward to Bournemouth Saturday week. I'll take it you're there. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, what... what... What a night that is! Um, Brilliant, you know, Condon in Ireland, Wood Lara, and and 
Bill and Smith and Coley. So yeah, I am. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good card. That Mikel Lowell, um, Isaac Chamberlain yeah. is a really good fight. Sam Eggington, Joe Pigford. Yes, um, that's an interesting one. You know, Lee Cutler, Stanley Stannard. It's a good card. It's a good card. And to be honest, we're kind of. I feel like we're sort of due on Sky because we've had. You know, we've had. We had Azim go the di- domestic fight nights. We've had Azim go the distance. There was nothing. There was nothing wrong with that. But then with the Coley and Boatsy, you know, the big fanfare returning to Sky and and both of those two fights, you know, they kind of underwhelmed, didn't they? Which was unfortunate. So um, I, I'm hoping that that uh, the 27th, these things happen, don't they, in yeah. sport? I'm hoping the 27th will, you know, full stadium. They've released more yeah. tickets, 15,000. Should be a really good night. Highest ever crowd at the stadium because for football, you only get 11 or 12 in there. It's going to be brilliant. And one thing Sky do so well, for these big events like that, they make they make they make it look good on TV, like you're watching a, a big big event, don't they? Oh uh, yeah, it'll 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 be. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be. Yeah. I, I went to Albania for Florian Florian Marcus, um homecoming last year, and that was a kind of similarish size stadium, and it just really works because um, it's just that bit tighter, that bit more, that bit more intimate. Yeah, it'd be brilliant, John. Thanks very much as well for joining us this week. Uh, Hope all goes well with you this week, John and you, Andy. And thank you, everyone, for watching, listening. It's been great having you. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.